Hey everyone, this is an exciting new episode of Pile of Scrap, which has absolutely nothing to do with recycling. But I get to sit down with singer-songwriter and musician Uncle Cracker, and we get to eat a steak and discuss music and how he came up through the music industry and what his influences were. I hope you enjoy this. This is not your typical Pile of Scrap podcast, but it is a unique podcast to say the least. I hope you enjoy it. The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. So back to your, the yeah. influence of your, tell me your dad, well, which is really cool. Did your dad play music? No. No, my dad was a mechanic. I'm certain when I was young he was chopping cars in the garage at 3 a.m., but <laughs> this was a... You might, it, well, my dad lied about his age when he was 15 and went into the army. And by the time he was 18, he kept putting in to go to Vietnam. And something happened where they finally figured out he was almost 18 and he'd been there almost three years that he still wasn't 18 yet. So they, they discharged him. I, I think they gave him an honorable discharge too for it. But well, if he didn't do anything wrong, yeah. Just lying, but, <laughs> this is lying, but they, uh, he, uh, but he wrenched it in the army. So he worked on, well, I don't know if he's working on tanks or whatever, but mm-hmm. I know that's where he pretty much honed his, his stuff, where he learned a lot of stuff. But so he came out, and he was working on cars and things like that. But uh, I don't know, I guess all the old doo-wop stuff, all the Motown stuff was basically his, it was his era, his, uh, that was his thing. And, I couldn't tell you many of the names. There were so many of them doo-wop bands, but you know those just kind of evolved into you know your temptations. Sugar and your, by I Honey Bunch. Who was that? That's the. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm drawing a blank. I could I wanted to say that the Supremes, the Temptations, Temptations. Was that the Temptations? Might have been. Might have been. That's why I say there were so many bands. Good ones had great songs, and so many of them had one and gone too. And. My dad could tell you every one of them, the name, you know, the names of the bands. They could sing. Oh, yeah. That was, that, that's the thing where my son and I, we, we've debated that the rapping, or son, they're not singing. They're rhyming. They're, they're doing rhymes. And I guess, okay, if that's what you're into, I go, but me, I like the song. Well, I think the four tops. Four tops. Four cheeses. Sounds four. right. Four tops. You're right. Everybody's got a different angle on the rap stuff. But for, you know, when you look at it, I guess, what would it be genre-wise, you know, the where kids were when rap first came out, and it was just a, it was new, something different, you know, it wasn't about singing, it was, it was about the rhyme, it was about the, it was what, it was the story they were telling, um, I don't know, I mean, you can go back and you can dig up, like, I don't know, old, you know, uh, is it Peter Wolf? Uh, you know, you can you can look back, you know, old and stuff where he was pretty much rapping at a certain point over certain things, and even even Steven Tyler, same thing. You know, a lot of scat type stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, it was rhythm, and it was it was it was uh, it was exciting when rap came out. I remember being ten years old and watching. Just remember watching. Uh, well, I remember Public Access Channel. You know, like midnight. It was Friday or Saturday. It had to be, but it had to be after midnight before you caught any of this new 
rap stuff. And I'm talking back to like 1984, where it wasn't even still, it was new to me in 1984, mm -hmm. but, you know, you had your older bands, you know, other than like Run DMC, Fat Boys, things like that. You could go back a few years before them and find like, uh, you know, rappers like Wolf Ticket, things like that. And, I don't know. It was it was a it was a different thing. It was about I don't know. It was just, it was a how did they influence you? With, you know, as a kid, and you hear that versus the okay the the Motown, okay the way the you know the Four Tops, the Supreme, and, and the Temptations. Okay, where well, they're they're more musical and, and harmonizing and singing versus the beat and the. Uh, well, I guess it was the beat, and I guess it was the, I think. The most influence anything rap had had any uh, the, uh, the most influence anything rap had on me was you know me actually you know putting it together that I could do that too you know like I didn't it, <clears throat> it's not that it took any like uh, I mean it definitely took uh, you know some English for sure but. Um, the fact that it was attainable, it, you know, and, and obviously you always want to, you know, let kids know that anything's attainable, but this just seemed so attainable for myself. Like, you know, so I started doing the rap thing and had my first record deal when I was 15, but it was doing rap stuff. And, uh, and I just yeah, I remember... I would have never... Did you say, okay, Bobby's Kid Rock, right? Yep. Okay, so he did that too? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. You know, it's it's um, you know, it's funny. Each generation, and and my daughter now. Okay, my daughter and my son. Okay, they're three and a half years apart. Not even at three years, three months. My daughter and her friends. Country. Classic rock. I mean, I can't tell you at the parties we have at our house that they don't play American Pie and everybody's singing. Bye, bye. You know, everybody's doing it. Parents, the kids, everybody's doing it. And, and uh, Elton John, Tiny Dancers, another one that they go crazy. And, and then, of course, my daughter always tells me, Dad, play um, uh, the Almond Brothers, um, but Soul Shine. She loves that song, Soul Shine. I mean, it's just mean guitar in it. And, but, it but my song, son, he got into Dylan just a little bit, but he's all... He's all rap, all hip hop, if you will. I don't know what they call it, but you know, he goes, "Oh, Little Wayne just downloaded his whole album." Or Master P. Well, I don't know any of these people. I go, oh, I, I died a bit over. Well, so did Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, I guess. Yeah. It's always still there, you know. The the rap thing's always there, but like anything else, you know, you you grab onto something different, and you're always. You're always trying to beat the last thing you did, and you know when I when I first started writing song songs versus rap songs, and I say that so loosely, but you know because you know song song versus a rap song, but you know oh, but yeah. but you know just different uh, you know melodies and uh, you know <clears throat> melody harmony. Uh, I think it, it uh, every day when you write one, and I don't write one every day, I promise. But when you write one, you're always, the next time you sit down to write one, you're always trying to beat the last one you wrote. And it just became a thing, and I never went backwards. And I don't mean that like rap was backwards, but it's always there. So just, so as the rap thing, as we were doing the rap thing, you know, t 25 years ago, 
we were sampling old rock records, old soul records. You know, we're sam taking samples from these records and making loops and making our own rap songs, but using music from, you know, the 40s, 50s, okay. 60s. Uh, so did, just being a, you know, just fooling around with the turntables and all old records, you know, we were listening to things that we'd never listened to before, just looking for different samples to grab and, you know, because we're only looking for snippets anyway. Mm. So just being able to, now you're listening to full songs, like, man, that was a good song. And almost, it was like education in itself. Uh, so, <clears throat> so as we're digging through that, it just ended up, it just ended up, uh, I don't know. Um, it's w weird to think how it went from there to here, but I think that's, I, I honestly think that that's where it, where it stems from. Just, I don't know, there was so, just being a DJ, you, you, you figure it out. Once, you, once you're a DJ, you're not playing music for yourself. You're playing but music you for You want them. the crowd to get up and, 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 and dance. Exactly. So you, so now you're playing songs that you wouldn't have necessarily heard, but you're playing, you know, a lot of things. Certainly once in a while you want to play something cutting edge and stick something of your own. You want to try to play something to see what people's reaction. But the main thing was you're, you're hearing songs that other people, what, and in, in, in your head you're like, what do they love about this song so much? And just sampling and taking different, listening to things you wouldn't have never listened to otherwise uh, it just puts you in a different headspace and just opens up your mind a whole bunch more that there's so many different types of music kinds of music uh, and I think that's what helped me as a songwriter just being open-minded to all kinds of things you know and and then being able to uh, and especially doing the rap stuff because now we're mixing you know country stuff with the rap stuff and you know just kind of making it blend but trying to make it blend how could you make it sound not too yeah one yeah you know what other. i just said there, there, what? there's a i think it was old dirt road by old dean that my daughter would play over and over and over and it kind of gets in there's a i think it was there's one dirt those, road anthem maybe yeah dirt road anthem yeah yeah there's a little bit of rap in that right there is so so that's what you're saying taking that and merging it into the traditional yeah, but if I'd have done that 20 years ago, they would have... Yeah, but you know, that was... Again, you've heard me talk about Joe Drukas, because Joe and I, because he came from the industry, he was like you, a lot. Didn't, wasn't famous like you, but was so close and wrote a lot of great tunes. I mean, his his albums, there's some songs on there, just beautiful. And um, he... Uh, we would talk and, and, and we 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 dissect the Beatles on songs like "I've Got a Feeling." Okay. "I've Got a Feeling" was a Paul McCartney song, and then John Lennon wrote "Everybody Had a Hard Year, Everybody Had a Good Time." What they did, they just merged songs. "Day in a Life" considered one of the greatest Beatles songs, you know, for Beatle fans when you listen right. to the Okay, "Day in a Life" was, you know. Um, I heard the news today, oh boy. Okay, and then there's Paul McCartney, woke up, got out of bed, dragged the comb across. And that was a different song. So he merged the two. So a lot of that groundwork, like you say, was it because somebody was telling you you can't do that? Or was it you stopping yourself saying you can't do that? I'm curious about that. Well, a lot of it was somebody telling us you couldn't do it. You can't do that. But it felt so good. It sounded so good. You know, it felt, it felt perfect. So See, it... and, and that's, that's fascinating because 
think about, okay, the song Hey Jude, seven minutes, 30 seconds long. You can't put out a seven minute, 30 second song. Nobody's nine weeks number one on the charts, okay? Point is, is you couldn't, you weren't, they were, because I guess it's when you're that big, you can dictate. And in your case, you're maneuvering yourself to get that big to do what you want, but you've got to please the people putting out the dough, right? Am I right or am I wrong on that? Well. Out of curious, somewhat, or, you know, I'm just curious about it. No, that. there's a whole lot of pleasing the people, but there's, but you have to please yourself also, you know? Well, yeah, you can't Otherwise, be miserable. No, I mean, it, no, because you still have to stand behind it and you still have to go out and sell it and promote it. And, and you, it's hard to, trust me, I've tried. You, it's hard to stand behind something that you just don't really feel or believe in. And, you know, I can only imagine I've just never done anything that worked that it wasn't, I've never done anything that worked that wasn't my absolute favorite or something that I cool. just absolutely loved or, um, and I have tried to, you know, I've tried to, I don't make it a habit, you know, I, don't, I mean, I guess I've never really given anybody, I mean, I and I give you chicken shit and ask you to make a chicken salad for me. Right. You know, but, right. Well, yeah, but yeah I, you have pride in what you're doing. That, you that's to. the coast, that's Lazarus. I mean, he, he, um, he, he wrote, and, and for my 50th birthday party, Joe came out and brought Costa, and Costa played a, a little set, and just some of his tunes. They were beautiful music, and Costa would tell Joe, "This is okay. I'm 58, so that's eight years ago." He'd say, "Hey, man, it takes one hit in Nashville. That's a million dollars." And um, so, um, you know, my question, you know, knowing like you, you, you write a lot for people, and you know, who's who does their own stuff 100% with a band that plays their stuff, they have their own, they're not, they're, nobody's just dishing them music. Uh, Anybody out there anymore that original? <clears throat> is Taylor Swift that original or is people feeding her song now? Just out of curiosity. Well, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I guess you can manipulate all kinds of things on paper, I guess, but <clears throat> I don't know. I think Taylor Swift writes, I think she writes I think she writes some of her own stuff. I don't really know. Well, I've heard she that again. You know, I don't see. Well, I'm trying to figure out. See, it's to me, it's 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 really, and 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 because I'm an old classic rock guy, if you will, but I'm also uh, you know, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, Chris Christopherson. You know, I listen to you know every morning on Sunday for three years. I'd come downstairs and play Sunday morning coming down until my friend died because I remember. Uh, a friend who was my age died uh, two summers ago, uh, no, last summer, and died of cancer. And uh, we had a party for him at his wife, the wife's school, and, and we played music because he loved his music. And uh, and so, for the first time, I got up and I said, "All right, I'm going to play a solo. I'm going to do this. I don't, I don't sing very well." And um, but I did. I said, Michelle, I said to the wife, "I go. This is a song I played for Dominic when he came home from the hospital when he first got diagnosed from cancer." and uh, Sunday morning coming down, so I played it. And I had played it, but you know, it's funny, I, I don't play it anymore. And it was something about when I played that for him the very first time, because he liked some, you know, Oppie, John Pine, he liked some of the different, not, he wasn't just the, the, the mainstream music. He, Dominic liked all this other, so I played that for him. And he looked at me, I'll never forget, he, was, he, he had just gotten home from his first treatments, he goes, 
that's awesome you did that I go I go yeah I go you know it's just the song for some reason it always reminds me of my mother but it reminded me of Dominic and after he passed away and after I played it for a bunch of people and I got out there and I remember putting the guitar down it's kind of emotional and Steve Meeks who um uh, he's in the band Smoking Armadillos. I don't know if you ever heard. Of They're from Bakersfield. I heard of them. Hey, dudes, Steve is the most badass guitar player I've ever played with. Hey, this dude can just wail. <laughs> and um, um, he goes, "Who just did that, Johnny Cat? Who did that?" I said, "That was me." And he goes, he looks at me because I played with him a lot. And he goes, "You did that?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, "Dude, that's probably the best I ever heard you." And I've played with him. I've done a whole bunch of stuff with Steve. We went, you know, the Armadillos got back, did a few things. But I've, we, his father worked for us, and you know, we, you know, look, we're the, we're the guys who do music for fun because we love it. You do it for a job. Yeah. You see, I gotta believe, I'm having more fun than you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I some mean, nights, that, some it, nights better than others for sure. But yeah, I mean, but it does take a lot of the. It takes a lot of the, it takes a lot away when it becomes a job. You know, it's, <clears throat> I didn't really realize it until my second album, the, that it was the job part. You know, it was, it was like having to do something versus doing something because you love it are obviously two different things. And you're <clears throat> and, having to, see, I get to cherry pick what we want to play as long as I can play it, you know, three, four chord tunes, you know, and or whatever, what have you, but, uh. I get to choose what I want to play. You, you have to create it. Yeah. yeah Other that than now, like the guys who you write songs for now. I mean, you gave, okay, so I did not know you, you did uh, uh, Summertime. Uh, what was that? Um, oh, you, All Summer Long. All Summer Long. Okay, so you wrote that. Yep. Okay. Well, I wrote that with Kid Rock. Okay, so you, you wrote, I thought, you, you, and then you, okay, so, I mean, these are like, these are, so, these are like, I don't That's know, like picture all summer long is two best friends sitting there cool, writing something fun, something that they... Okay, so that's what it was. So it's not like you wrote it, somebody took it and just became monster and you're like, man, that's my song. Right, no, no, exactly. Okay, no. that's good. I, I, I'm curious about, okay, you, you do the tune and, you know, you, you, you've had your albums, you know, and then now somebody takes what you did and... You're like, man, my studio version was better than that, and they took it, and... You know, I... But that's where you gotta be at peace with yourself, right? Or you go nuts. Absolutely, you'd go crazy. If you look at like, especially back then, and uh, I don't know what years those were talking about. 70s. So 70s. When you look back then, like, I don't know, when you look at like Steve Miller, Jet Airliner. Yeah. But then you look at like, the guy that wrote it and did it first was Paul Paul Pena Pena okay. Jet Airliner. I don't know, man. You have you, you heard the Paul Pena version? No, I have not. You're gonna want to download that thing, and and that'll be that's what you'll play at these parties you're talking about. Like these are great. Sure, Steve Miller had a huge hit with it, and I bet you Paul Pena probably made a ton of dough off of it. Still does. I'm sure his estate makes plenty, but. These things happen all the time. They still do. They still happen. You know, like it's not as you don't hear about it as much anymore because I, I think there's more things to protect songwriters nowadays with you know that type of these type of situations. But 
back then it was people borrowed and just took. I mean, there's only 12 Wild notes, West. you know. Yeah. You know, so, and everybody pretty much sticks to the, there's only a few that sound great. CDG sounds perfect, you know. These are. Uh, it, it does. That's, uh, it, it does. DCG, man. I mean, you know how many great songs are DCG? I mean, like, for my favorite is Can't You See. I heard um, there was something I read. It was one time that somebody, some writer was interviewing uh, uh, Hank Williams Jr. He says, what song do you wish you would have wrote? He goes, Can't You See. And for me, that's, you know, that's every time I pick up the, car, the guitar at home, I got a Taylor for my daughter. I have a Martin D28 for me. So I always pick up the guitar. And that's the first thing I always do. We'll, do, we'll just do that. Just, uh, I don't know. It's just what it is. It's me. So feels good. So how about you? What song do you wish you would have wrote? Yeah, because you're not that you want to be somebody else. Never you want to be you. But what song would have been? God, that would have been great to write that song. Man, I don't know. I, I would have. Shoot, there's a million of them. I wish. Sure, I but wrote. that's what I when I read that I went, what a cool question. What a cool answer. Oh you yeah. Know, the well, fact that he could even have an answer. Man, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't wish I wrote. Can't you see? Also, I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, you know that. You know, my dad. I wish I wrote Shook Me All Night Long. I would like to. From ACDC? Yes. That's yep. a badass. Wish I'd have wrote that. Wish I love I'd've... that song. I do too. That's I on love... my playlist. I love ACDC. I love. Uh... Wow. Tell you a story about ACDC. This is a good one. Me and my buddy went to the forum in LA when I was going to school at USC, and ACDC's down there. We had tickets, nosebleed in the forum. And so uh, I go, I'm getting down to the center, I'm getting down on the floor. So I'm looking around, and I, so I go up to the usher. I go, dude, man, I got a merch. I got to get my brother. He's right down there. See that empty seat over there? That's my brother. I got to go tell him. They go, oh, okay, go, 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 go. They say, no, I'm just sitting there right night throw the center stage watching ACDC. And Angus Young, just the whole time. Unbelievable. Oh, man. <laughs> Nobody played it like him. You know, these were, I don't know. And, and obviously, you know, on the guitar, when you, these licks aren't math. You know, it's not, uh, you know. It's not exactly the Mahavishnu Orchestra, you know. Right, and you right, right. Sit right. down with these songs, and but they sound so great. They just feel awesome, you know. They're the, they seem like the simplest things on the planet, but nobody, nobody, nobody. Why has anybody else played them that simple and that sweet, you know? Yeah. I Re- think some. I think the sweetest instrument, the most disciplined guy, are like the musician-wise would be like the old school bass players that were just sitting there playing the old country songs, where I was like, doom. Do, do, do. Like, you got to sit there and play that for an hour and a half every night, you know, at that show. And they're just, do, 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 do. Don't get fancy with it. Do. Just keep the beat with the drummer. Just it. That's it. But those are the, those guys got a hard gig, you know, to, to be able just to. Yeah, my, my brother-in-law, my wife's sister's husband will play the bass in our little stupid band. And I look over at him. And during this, when we're playing, and he's just so concentrating, he's so thinking about it so hard. And I'm, I'm more Mr. Smile and let, let it, I, I, I have more fun, right? I like to say, I have more fun doing it. That's why I say I, I have fun. And I look over at poor Chris, and Chris is. <laughs> <laughs> he's we're not playing but three, four chord songs. I mean, but last dance with Mary Jane, what is it? A minor, D. 
what G D what, whatever three you know just last and then the E minor it's that chorus change last dance Mary Jane one more time kill thing you know it, it, but he is his face is so concentrated as the bass player right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so much fun God you know for for me to 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 you know see that's where I take it to for me for fun and my brother who is an amazing guitar player as far as uh, rhythm guitar. He, he doesn't really ever play lead. He just can't have fun. Phil does not smile when he plays the guitar. I'm like, dude. And my, my son calls me pain face when I play leads. You know, I'm offended. I got my face guitar. I'm like Joe Walsh. Okay, Joe is my favorite guitar player of all time. So I've, you know, watched him over the years. So I'm always like this when I'm bending something. But my brother, he can't smile for. Nothing. Phil's just so serious about it. I'm like, dude, we're just playing. We're gonna be right. You're 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 going to the sea too soon, huh? I'm sorry, Phil. Okay, give me a break. <laughs> was your steak okay, man? Oh my goodness, this thing was incredible. All right, incredible. Bye. In fact, I would have shoot a couple months ago. I would have been asking you how come you didn't grab a couple more. But I'm 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 stuffed. The the, the thicker ones yeah. that were in that. Um, that case, the ones, the first ones we looked at, they, those were two inches. Those, I mean, they, there was the fresh cut ones which we picked. That vacuum sealed one was the thicker one. I, I like it. These were great. I, I, I oh yeah, I think them other ones, those thicker ones, we'd still be cooking them right now, probably, huh? Take a little longer. Yeah. Oh, yeah this seasoning, man, I was. I mean, dare I say it, but man, I, the other night I had I had the grill going and. I, there were these chicken breasts that were probably, and I'm afraid to cook chicken. Like, I do it, and I, I can't cook chicken. I can't do it. No, me neither. I cannot. I do. I mess it up. I either undercook it or I overcook it. There's, I, my wife, well, why don't we do a chicken? No. I can't do it. <laughs> no. I could do it on a Traeger, because you could turn the Traeger at full blast at 425 and smoke it, put it in there, and then the whole chicken as a whole. You know, get smoked, it's cooked, and then you take the thermometer, 165, okay, I can take it out. But chicken breast, trying to do barbecue chicken, you know, where it has the, 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 uh, the, the, the leg and the thigh to it. Can do it. I keep hearing about these Traeger grills. Not for steaks. No. No, because you can't get the char. You cannot get that on a Traeger. That's true. That's true. What about the green egg? 50% of my friends swear by it, 50% of my friends hate it. Really? I like the old Weber. Dude, I just got a 22-inch Weber, and I've been doing, I do a rack of lambs, I've been doing these New Yorks, these Wagyu New Yorks, and I mean, I'm just killing it. I like throwing rack of lambs on there. Oh, man. Well, I don't know if it's because I can't hurt these. You, know, you can hurt, oh, yes, you can. If you overdo them, maybe, or... Well, a New York, again, the flavor of a New York is, is okay, the t like I said, we, if you go to a real butcher who will cut it for you, tell them to get the first two pieces of the prime rib because the cap, if you do two-inch steaks um, in the, prime, the whole prime rib, the first two, so for the first four inches, will give you the best cap, okay? This cap thing you're talking about, I didn't realize what the cap was. <clears throat> when you take a prime rib, do it in the oven. Hmm? Is there a cap on there? Yeah, sure. Is that what that Absolutely. is? Absolutely. Here. Like that tomahawk thing we were looking at, has that got anything to do with a prime rib? Yeah, it is a prime rib. It's just cut with the bone in it. Okay. A Wagyu prime rib. Oh my goodness. See, there's your cap right here. 
best part. Oh, see, what, they, so what they do is a real butcher will cut you, and it's a really thin. Let's see if we've got another one. You do that on a grill, or you do that? No, I do it in an oven. Look, this is what it looks like when it comes out. See, I need a pan that fits that thing. And the thing is, 425 for 30 minutes. You want to you want to 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 encapsulate the meat by high heat. Drop it down to 300 for two hours, two and a half hours, depending on the size, and that's what. Pull it out at, at 120 to 125, depending on how rare that everybody likes it. You gotta let it sit for 15 to 20 minutes. Letting the steak sit, the meat sit. My brother-in-law's taught me this. This isn't me. My brother-in-law taught me and it's just he's absolutely right. Because what happens is you pull it out and then everything's hot. You gotta let it sit so the blood goes back into because it kind of screaming to get out and it comes back in. So it's just got, I got another one in here that I'll show it to you. That Good. thing's beautiful looking. Oh. So that Randazzo we went to, I didn't see any Wagyu in there, but they have a, <clears throat> Randazzo has a bigger, newer version, but it's it's 20 minutes the other direction. Otherwise, I'd have said. There it is now. See wow. the cap right there? You yeah. See, see that cap? Yep. Okay. So you can talk to the guys and like get like a bigger cap. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Here's a video. This is my brother-in-law. Is that spectacular? Look at the cap right there. See that? Yeah. How many? How, you think there's butchers that are like holding out on the caps? Like when they put these in there, like you know what I mean? Like take into it. Okay. So so it's the best part. Okay. Here here was my plate. This is the cap. Look at the size of the cap. That's incredible. See, this is what would be the center. That's your Chateaubriand. When you get a Chateaubriand, that's what that is. But here's your cap. Look at that. Look at that bad boy. See, the cap makes it worth. Oh, dude, you gotta have a butcher. My butcher and 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 and, and D came with me. And we filmed it for steak. Dude's so passionate about steak. He's just beautiful. I mean, Ty, what's up, John, man? And I and I, and I cook. And he goes, dude, how, you gotta let me know. So I'm telling. So he, like, we become good friends. But he has such a passion. And he goes, Hey, I got this. He goes, and he told me, he goes. I want you to, I haven't done the cap yet. I haven't been in town, been out of town a lot. Um, I haven't done the cap, but he was telling me, you know, you cut it and you get that Wagyu cap. He says, it's unbelievable. You got to have a butcher who is willing to work with you and get the Snake River Farm Wagyu. Once you do that, you're like, oh, man. <laughs> it's almost careful because once you do it, you don't want to go the other way? It's very, very <laughs> difficult. Very difficult. So, yeah. Other than, like, the steak stuff, if you ever go into, like, I don't, I don't want to say exotic, but, like, bear? No, like my that. brother, my brother, he lives in outside of Cody, Wyoming. He does elk. The most violently ill I've ever been in my life was after eating elk that wasn't cooked properly. So I, I won't touch it, but my my brother, my brother and my nephew swear by elk. Uh, we've had, um, um, you know, when I was in Africa on a safari, we've had the oxtail, which was from the, the you know, which is real, the real, I mean, a lot. Uh, wildebeest, check this out. It's Cape Town, South Africa. I had a filet mignon from the wildebeest, and the chef was from Italy. So I was talking, hey, well, yo, kick out the rest the carne. What about this man? He goes, the filetto, incredibile. Un altro pezzi, esquivoso, which means the only thing you can eat of the wildebeest is this filet. Everything else is disgusting.
disgusting. <laughs> so I have a, you know, I don't, I don't go get any exotics because I don't know, I wouldn't know where to get it. I'm right. eating it, but I don't. I was, I, one time I had bear. It was bear, but it was, and I probably normally wouldn't even have ate it, but it was at Hank Jr.'s house, and we were there at a, it was like a 4th of July, and he was like, oh, Gregor, there's nothing like cooking the shoulder of a bear. And you, you know, and, you know, when, he, when, when Hank Jr. talks, it's like, you know, it's E.F. Hutton, you know, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like, shoulder of a bear. This thing was, that's I mean, big. this looked like a, a lump of, of ah, it, it tasted like the caps, you know, it was like. Is that good, huh? Oh, man, I've never had anything like it. <clears throat> anything Hank did, anything he cooked, though, was like perfect. I just remember, oh, man, one morning he picked me up at the hotel there by where he lives in Tennessee, and it was probably 7 in the morning. We had, we had, had we kept it up late the night before, but he comes and picks me up, and we go by his little, he's got a little cottage thing, and. He cooks crappy. It's like eight in the morning, and it's all breaded, and and it's up, and we're eating it out of a napkin, like with our fingers. And I'm like, this is either this is the coolest thing I've ever done, eating crappy with Hank Jr., or this guy knows how to cook. You know, he's, he cooked the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. I've never eaten crappy. Uh, never, even, I don't even know what a crappy is. What is it? I was just it's a fish. It looks like a little sunfish, or you know, like a bluegill, or something like that. I don't know, something out of here. We might have them here. I'm not sure. But when I fish, I fish for walleye. But uh, it's a, it's a little tiny fish, you know. You gotta, I don't know. But it, but like, I guess my whole point was, have you ever done like you, how how meat do you? Okay, get? so for me, um, just I, I give me give me ribs. Yeah, okay. I how meaty how, how weird do how I meat? get? Um, just I stick with baby back ribs, St. Louis ribs, beef ribs, um, lamb. I love lamb. Okay. Uh, me too. Uh, any form of New York. Uh, you don't uh, mess with the mint jelly, do you? I do. You do? I do. I don't hate it, but I, if I cook a lamb on that thing, I, there's no mint nowhere. No, right. I don't put it on it. It's just that you can compliment it. But if it's my brother-in-law, when he cooks his lamb, the rack of lamb, mm -hmm. there's no, I, I don't, I'm not as good at it as he is. And I don't do mint jelly when he cooks it because it's just so amazing. But uh, as far as other things, you know, chicken, I screw it up. Pork, you know, pork chops, oh, yeah, okay, but you know, the ribs, but yeah, what else are you gonna do with pork? You know, pork shoulders, pork, uh, you know, that's that's like a deep pit barbecue. Right, okay? right. You just put it in a hole and let it but, but smolder or whatever for all day. But you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because now I'm gonna start, I'm gonna go ask, okay, let's, let's go in to do something different. What can you get? I don't know if Hank did this, you know, special or what, but it, it was bare. It, it was like eating. Uh, it was. It was. I don't want to say it was better than the. I've cat, had horse in Italy. Really, horse. Oh yeah. Was it good? Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't know. I was eating it. Wow, that's good. The cavallo. Come here, cavallo. Does that mean what the fuck are you talking no, about? No, it's a cavallo. It's horse. Oh, cazzo. Come cavallo. What do you mean? What are you talking about? That's see the translation is funny. Italians, you, you know, you can translate it to the exact words, but that's not how it translates. Meaning, like okay, like I said, hey, questo è buono, e cavallo, come cavallo. I mean, what the fuck are you talking about? That's what that's how it really would translate. Okay, come cavallo. 
translate as, what do you mean? It was, how is it? Word would be, how is it, horse? But it translates, it's, you got, it's, it's the culture. When you're in around, the slangs and how it works. The dialect. The dialect, yeah, yeah, so, come and go, When you go back, will you go to Rome? No, I go to Verona. Verona, Verona Milano. You talked about Positano. Po oh. Positano. You ever been? I've only seen pictures, and I, me and my fiance have been dying to go to Positano. Positano. Okay, you see, the beautiful thing about Positano is you can stay. There's some great hotels in Positano, all right? And then you can take a day boat and go to Capri, or you can rent a 40-horsepower boat, plenty fast, and you can go up to Conca de Sogno, where there's this little restaurant, this little bay, is a six-room hotel, and the best food you ever, best lunch you'll ever have in your life. Or you can cruise all over, cruise around Capri a couple times, and cruise back, or cruise down to the town of Amalfi, pull in. Or, Positano, that coastline is the Amalfi coast, but Positano as a headquarters, because you can, if you don't want to take rent a boat, you can charter, somebody you can charter a guy would take you around, or you can get on the ferry. 20 minutes, you're on uh, Capri, and you can go through Capri and, you know, take the evening, you know. But see, Capri, to me, is something I like better from the water or after 5 o'clock when the tours. Because, see, day boats come in for Sorrento, from Napoli, and from Positano and Amalfi. They come in in the morning, everybody offloads, and it's just packed. And then at 5 o'clock, all those boats go back before the sun goes down, right? And so they get back to the ports to their... Respective right. cities, and then all of a sudden, it's just like Capri is this just calm, cool little cool place. Anna Capri, there's the town of Capri, and then Anna Capri, it's on the island of Capri, but Anna Capri is incredibly peaceful. It depends on what you want. You want to see a lot of action, all that kind of crap, but people, Capri, you on the island, the, the town of, and then or Anna Capri, which is like as peaceful as you're going to get for a tourist island. Probably just want to see like food, booze. Maybe Vino. some water. Vino. Vino, brother. You're going to drink a lot of beautiful. And if you're there in the summer, you'll drink the white wine Falangina. And uh, like a, a Conque de Sonio, this little place we went, it was my niece's boyfriend's family's place. And uh, it's cold. It's white wine. It's cold. And, and it doesn't matter what they're serving you. It just goes with it. And you're like, you're just drinking it like water. And you're like four bottles into it, three people. And you're like... <laughs> and you're like, okay, and then you're like, all right, bring a couple cappuccinos in or espressos, and then uh, then they want to bring, oh, have the limoncello, you do three, four of those, and and then you go back, you pass out, and you wake up, and you go to dinner at 10, 10.30 at night, and do it all over again. What about, is it the gra grappa? Grappa? Gra oh, That's I, like Italian moonshine or something? Yeah, it is, man. It's 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 rough. We have I've done it. I do it, but I, give me the limoncello. Okay, I prefer the limoncello. But the grappa is, it's like, it's like a moonshine, kind of like a high, high, high-end powered tequila, like a raga high-powered tequila crossed with a really heavy alcohol moonshine type thing, and it's just brutal. I mean, it burns. It, it doesn't matter. What, oh, no, it's questo reposato. Giovanni, stai, stai tranquillo, è buono, è reposato. No, 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 no. Which means relax, this is calm. Oh, shit. You're like... And they love, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Somebody always, even now, even out here, when someone's handing you like a, I don't know, depends on where the moonshine's from, if it's a Mississippi moonshine or a Virginia moonshine, whatever. Every time somebody hands you the thing, they're like, ah, it's, it's smooth. It's just a smooth one. You know, it's just good. 
It's uh, it's this one's easy. You know, you're like, yeah, it's not, you already know it's not easy. It's like, you know, you, it's gonna kick your, it's gonna kick your ass. This has been a Sierra International Machinery original audio series. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast and make sure to subscribe.